Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Come on, it is so good to be with you today. If you don't know me, my name's Andrew. I'm one of the elders of the church, uh, and I have the pleasure of bringing the word today. Uh, last week, we heard from uh, Joel. I don't know if Joel's here today, but he did an amazing job. I heard it was one of the best sermons that uh, we've heard preached in a long time. So, <laughs> so it's, not, it, it's good to it's good it's good to stay humble, right? Uh, the Lord. The Lord wants a, a broken and a contrite heart before him. So, yeah, so come on, I'm, I'm continuing this, uh, this series today. Actually, I'm concluding it, uh, titled Called. We've been learning about what it means to be uh, a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and we're going to get right into the word uh, in, in just a minute. But <laughs> first off, I just want to uh, remind you of Jesus' last words. Uh, and that's where we're going to spend a little bit of time today. Be, before he went up to heaven, Jesus said to his followers, to his disciples, he gave them the command, the great commission. Uh, he told them to make more disciples. He said to go out into all the world to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the commands I have given you. These last words of Jesus should be pretty important to us. Um, there should be an implementation and action that we have as followers of Jesus Christ to play this out in our lives. All of us are here today in this room because someone in your life has played the role of a disciple or someone you know who dragged you to the house of the Lord today has been a disciple. That's right. I see you in the back. <laughs> Come on, praise God. So, that's why we're here today, that from, the, from thousands of years ago, the command to go and make more disciples has continually happened over and over and over again, that we are here today standing on the promise of the word of God is true. Without it, it fails and it falls apart, but it's true. J.D. Greer, a, a pastor said, Christ did not come to make Christians. He came to make disciples. Yeah. Discipleship is not one of the church's various ministries. It is not something that the paid staff do. Discipleship is who we, as the church, are at our very core. Yeah, amen. So we're going to talk about what discipleship truly means. There are a lot of people who might profess or call themselves Christians but they don't allow the power of God to ultimately transform them from the inside out. So today, we're gonna to see what the Bible says about discipleship. The words of Jesus in Mark chapter eight. Jesus, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? 
If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of the Father with his holy angels. Angels. That's strong teaching from the words of our Lord. Now, there's three things that we're going to explore this morning through this text uh, about discipleship. Number one is, what is a disciple? What is a disciple of Jesus? Number two, how do I become one? And number three, how do I make them? So what is a disciple? How do I become one? And how do I make them? Well, number one, what is a disciple? In the context of Jesus' day, uh, a disciple was uh, a well-known reference. They knew what he was talking about when he said, go and make disciples. Uh, there would be a, uh, from the early ages of, of five or six, the, the kids in the uh, religious schools in, in that day would learn the Torah, uh, the initial uh, five books of the uh, Old Testament, and they would ultimately have it memorized by the age of 13. So they were around the scriptures uh, being taught from an early age. And then eventually, uh, a select few chosen group that were generally uh, more well-to-do and had resources and finances, they, their, uh, their teenager would essentially go out and request to be discipled by a rabbi, by one of these uh, religious teachers. This was, a, this was a big deal. And if he was accepted by the rabbi, if he was ex accepted by this Jewish teacher, he would essentially surrender everything in his life and go and follow the rabbi. He would live with him. He would watch how he eat, how he tithed, how he read the scriptures, how he uh, just essentially everything in his life would be mimicked through the lens of watching the rabbi. He had to submit everything to this. And then eventually he would ultimately become the teacher and go and have more disciples himself. So there was this reproduction, this reproducing theme that wasn't just based, and it was based on the scriptures and the power of God and the word of God, but there was a living out. It wasn't a transfer of a head knowledge solely. It was watching the rabbi and the teacher live out his faith in his daily life, seven days a week. Uh, discipleship, this is a, a, a simple definition. Discipleship is simply teaching others by example through close relationship. Discipleship is simply teaching others by example through close relationship. We disciple others by inviting them into our lives and allowing them to watch how we live out our faith, how we live out our lives. It is not just a transfer of head knowledge. Now, Jesus uh, gives us a perfect example of this. This is exactly what he did for three years with his disciples. He would uh, do everything with them. They worked together. They fished together, praise God. They lived together. They heard him teach. He, he transferred not only the, the teaching of God's word, but a, an application of how it looks in our everyday life. And the same call is on us today. Now, the disciples that followed Jesus, they weren't these uh, prominent people. They weren't the, the richest of the rich that would normally uh, have the opportunity to uh, continue to you know, uh, follow a, a certain rabbi in the Jewish uh, tradition. But yet Jesus came to them. These who were of no noble birth, they were just regular uh, you know, working for the CRA, City of Calgary, or selling windows or something. They were just regular people. Bless them, Lord. Come on. The great pensions. I don't blame them. <laughs> I, I want to I work for the city. I do. Um, 
But uh, so the disciples, when, they, when, when Jesus uh, came up to them and asked them, he, Jesus went up to them while they were fishing. <laughs> I'm sensing the theme here for the pastor. <laughs> he loves fishing. But Jesus went up to him, uh, Peter and Andrew, and he said, leave it, leave your nets, come and follow me. So this wasn't a foreign concept uh, to the people on that day. Uh, same with the brothers, uh, James and John. Jesus went up to them and said, uh, uh, they were preparing their, their nets and Jesus called and said, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And immediately, the scripture says, immediately they left their nets, they left their father and they went and they followed Jesus. So there was a, an understanding of what this meant to go and to be a disciple of this rabbi. And here they are being asked by Jesus to be a disciple. What an honor, what a, a journey and a joy it would be. And there's a, a contrast throughout the scriptures uh, where uh, Jesus, people would come up to him and, and want to be his disciple. And Jesus would say, uh, sure, yeah, you can be my disciple. And then they would say, but first, let me go and say goodbye to my family. First, let me bury my father. And Jesus said that they weren't fit for the kingdom of God. Whoever puts a hand to the plow and looks back isn't fit for the kingdom of God. Um, the response of the disciples was an immediate yes. So how do I become a disciple? Uh, well, Jesus uh, breaks it down in three simple, easy to follow steps for us. <laughs> and they're real fun too. Uh, if you wanna be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, all you gotta do is turn from your selfish ways, his words, not mine, take up your cross and follow me. So. Turn from your selfish ways. This isn't simply uh, denying earthly pleasure or fasting for a week for Lent. This is a complete denial of yourself. This is a complete refusal to allow your selfish, sinful ways to lead instead of the Spirit of God. This is the first step to turn, to, to repent. And then he says to take up your cross. Now, the cross in this day in the context was uh, just as discipleship was well understood, the cross and what it stood for was well understood as well. This was an instrument of execution. Thousands upon thousands of people were put to death in this way. So when Jesus is saying, take up your cross, to follow me, this is a very powerful, strong statement. He's, he's not mincing words here. Now we might think in our, our modern context, how offensive that is. How, uh, how unreal for you to think that, I, uh, you're saying I've gotta die? That I have to give up everything? I have to essentially be crucified in order to follow you? Who in their right mind would do that? You've got to be kidding me. It's, it's fascinating. It's as if Jesus is, he's kind of benchmarking them a little bit. He's, he's telling them early what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Before we begin, he says, you have to count the cost. Just so you know, this is what it's going to take. Because many will claim to be my followers. Many will even profess the love of God and they are Christian, but they will not be willing to die, be willing to allow their ways of living to die. Jesus was confronting 
an issue that existed then and still exists very strongly today. You see, people uh, traveled all over and followed Jesus for all the miraculous signs and wonders that were uh, being done. Like, that's pretty crazy entertainment value if you think about it. I'm sure a lot of us would follow around just to be like, man, that guy was healed. Like, did you, did you see that? That dude was dead. He's talking right now to me. Like, there's some pretty fascinating stuff. But people were following Jesus for the free lunch, for the fish and chips inside a tartar sauce. <laughs> See, people want God for what he can do for them. And when the free lunch is over, they're gone to the next thing. Jesus is saying, that won't work. That won't work as a disciple of me. If you really want to follow me, you have to give up everything. You have to allow yourself, your ways to be crucified. You have to turn from your own way of living and follow me. Now, th these words, follow me, is a pretty fascinating uh, concept. It is not strictly meaning that we are to follow step by step with one person in front. And, you know, it's like that really cool. You probably, if you have it in your house, you can raise your hand. That's okay. We won't point you out. won't embarrass you. But where there's the footsteps and you're walking along on the beach and you see the two steps and the other one's right, you know, behind. No one has that? Does no one really have that picture? It's like steps in the sand. Yeah, that's, that's what I said. Okay. We have, an art, we have an art critic in the house. Thank you, sir. It was an aptly named uh, uh, title for <laughs> steps in the sand. Sorry. I'll remember that for next time. Do you have that picture? No. <laughs> So the, the, the term follow uh, is, is to take the same road as another does. It's uh, this idea of let him follow with me. So it's not only, you know, step by step right behind, directly behind or in front. It's a, a side by side that we walk together a, a, along the road and we fellowship and we talk and we journey together. So that's what Jesus is saying, that he wants to, he wants you to follow him. He wants you to Walk with him. It's not this dictatorship where it's, you do as I do, <laughs> and get in line or else. It's a walking out together. Right. Now, what would compel people to do this, to, to leave everything? When he would say these words, why, would anyone actually follow him? And the truth is, many didn't. They were like, listen, thank you for the, uh, for the tartar sauce. The fish and chip, they were, honestly, it was probably the best uh, that I've ever had, but this is too much. This is a bit rich. This is a bit deep that you want me to die to be your follower. I can go catch some fish. I'm good. Thank you. Why would people follow him? It's because they believed in who he was. They believed that he truly was the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father was through Jesus and still is today. They would give up their lives. But look what Jesus is saying that your reward is ultimately if you do. He says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, 
And for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? What good is it if you have everything you could ever want in this life, and then you live an eternity apart from the living and loving God? and lose your soul. The idea of hell and fire and brimstone, and uh, it can get dull on us at times, whether you're a follower of God or not. But the real travesty, the real uh, sadness is in a, a life eternally lived apart from, yes. completely separate from yes. the presence of God. That's right. As long as we choose to be in charge, we stiff arm the presence of God in our lives. We reject Jesus. We are against God. We are living our own way. And Jesus says, if you're going to live that way, you can have no part in me. But if you give up your life, you will save it. Now, the Bible is full of these wonderful confounding scriptures where it's, it, it doesn't seem to make sense. It seems contradictory, but it is profoundly true that if we are to give up our lives, we will save it. What is a saved life? It means walking forever together with God, continually in communion, worshiping him and being in his presence. It's no longer allowing the fear of physical death to rule you or to control you or to manipulate you or change you. It's embracing the reality that when I die, I believe God's promises are true, that I will be with him forever in his presence because he said it and I believe it. But as long as we're in control, as long as we're in control, we can have no part in him. We have to surrender everything. Now, the choice is ours. He won't make us do it. He won't force us to do it. But you see, Jesus is both Savior and Lord or Master. So um, we, we, we love everybody. Come on. Jesus as Savior, that's great. I love that, you know, uh, unfailing, you know, love and, and constantly lavishing, you know, and, and seeking after me, even though I mess up and God, you're always there. I know you're going to be there. He is savior, but he is also Lord. He is master. He is the king. We are uh, to, to, to serve him. Uh, Jesus is, is saying, you, you can't choose to only have me as savior and not as Lord. I'm both. You can't just have one or the other. You can't pick and choose. Uh, I heard a pastor explain it well uh, in the past. He said, if you invite me into your home, which I'm hoping someday you will, you can't say to me, Andrew, come in, but Ling, stay out. That's, my name's Andrew Ling. <laughs> if you didn't know my last name, they're like, it doesn't look like a Ling. Yeah, I get it. I was, no, it's a long story. I won't get into it today. Uh, 
You, you can't, it doesn't work like that. You, I, I, he's both, I'm, I'm he, Andrew. <laughs> uh, I'm Andrew Ling. You can't just have Andrew, you can't just, can't, can't just have Ling. It's the same way with Jesus. You can't just have Savior and not have Lord. If you want him, you have to have all of him. <laughs> you can't have one without the other. There's no such thing as a part-time disciple. Uh, there's a, there's a family uh, that we kind of knew for a, a, a short season uh, through the last couple of years in COVID and uh, they were ending up traveling to another country. They're going to move there. And uh, they, said, they said, yeah, we started, we started kind of attending to a church. I don't think they really ha- had much you know, history or context with it, but they started uh, uh, attending this other church. And she just said in a conversation one time, She's like, yeah, we're going to move to this other country. We got a religious exemption uh, so we could travel uh, through COVID. And so they said, we're going to be moving over here. And they gave us the religious exemption. She said, and we're not even that Christian. (laughs) And I laughed, sort of, like internally, not like at her. But (laughs) I knew exactly what she meant, sadly. She meant that... um, us being able to do this uh, was a nice product for us. It's worked out well, but I don't have to let him change me. I don't have to let him become Lord of my life. He could be just savior and I get good stuff from him. I get to move to a hot country. I don't blame you too much, but um, another gentleman that we got to know a little bit, he was, uh, he would call himself a Christian, more of a cult really, but doesn't, worship the same Jesus we do. And he said, you know, religion if, to me is kind of like a buffet. Uh, you, can, you can take the parts you like and you can just leave behind the things you don't like. And I was like, that sounds pretty good. Just load me up with the prime rib, the shrimp, little horseradish, the au jus, right? Should I go on or uh, what time is it? Lunch? Um, but the salad, the, the vegetables, the turnip, well, we could just leave that. We don't need that. It sounds great, but it, it, Jesus is saying, you can't have that. You can't just, I'm, I'm not going to allow to be just a small portion on your plate and you can pick and choose the things that you want. He's saying, if you want me, you have to want all of me because I want all of you. I won't participate in the buffet. Not just on Sundays or, or Wednesday nights. I want you seven days of the week. So how do we do this? How do we make a disciple? Well, the first step to making a disciple is to ensure you are a disciple. This is for all believers. Everyone here who would call themselves a follower of Jesus Christ, this is for us to make disciples. Uh, It's like on the airplane. You put the oxygen mask on first before you put it on someone else. Uh, Anything that is alive grows and reproduces. So as a disciple, reproduction is a uh, assumed byproduct. It doesn't just end with you. So you're either in one or two camps today. You're maybe just starting out this journey and you're wondering what it means to follow God. And, you know, it's kind of cool. They, they sing a little bit and a few guys up front do some weird stuff. And then some people are raising their hands. And, you know, so I'm still just kind of sifting things out, which is great. Or... 
you're here and you would call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's two things we can do. How do we become a disciple? If you are new to church, if you're new to the community, find someone who's just a few steps ahead of you, who's a follower of Jesus Christ. Look at their life. Watch their children if they have them. And say, you know, I, I, I want to emulate that. I want to imitate that. That's discipleship that you would then enter into relationship, friendship, a brother uh, and a brother in Christ or a sister and sister in Christ. And if you are here today and you get a little bit uh, kind of like anxious when I talk about um, making a disciple or you look and you say, well, I don't know if there's anyone I'm really discipling in my life. Am I really a disciple? Don't allow that fear or condemnation to keep you back or to push you away because that's from the enemy. The Lord says, guess what? Today's a great day to start. Before you leave this room, before you leave this church, you can find someone who like, hey, you look like you're just a few steps behind me. Want to follow me? Don't say that. <laughs> But if you're in the other camp, if you want to be discipled, find someone and say, it'll make their day. You look like you're a few steps ahead of me. Can I uh, be a disciple of yours? Uh, <laughs> so th this, this is the challenge. Our lives are busy. We work jobs. We have uh, relationships, friendships. We have to see the latest Star Wars movie. There are a lot of things to, to do in this life. And of course, our families and but here's the thing I'm learning um, in life is that the more we make Jesus a priority in our lives, the more we put him first, guess what? The more time you just end up having and the more enjoyment and fulfillment you will get from actually discipling other people and making time, making time in your life to pour in and to model what Jesus has done for you into somebody else's life. Now, Thank God it is also in the uh, uh, purpose of our groups at Love City Church that this discipleship happens. These are dis dis discipleship arenas. <laughs> really, I should just take a drink of water real quick. Just talk amongst yourselves for a second. These are discipleship arenas. But it's countercultural because generally we want to keep to ourselves. We want to kind of do our own our own thing. We don't want to share what's actually going on with our lives. But the biblical example is to openly and honestly talk about and share what God is doing in your life uh, with someone you trust and, and desire to be like and mimic their life and how they raise their children, how they deal with temptation, how they tithe. Ask to show them, show, say, show me your budget. How do, you, how do you put God first when you're paying off debt? How do you tithe when you're doing that? How do you give an offering? They'll love it. Trust me. <laughs> Are they sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Do they, do they share with how something came up and they, 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 they said, oh man, I just feel God put a finger on that. And are they, are they sensitive to that? Are they allowing God to continually work in their lives? Now, many of us don't share our faith because we feel unqualified. There's a voice in our head that says, ah, just, just hang on before we do this. Don't worry about it. Listen, somebody else is going to share their faith. Someone else will bring them to Jesus. We, we think, you know what? I'm not saying uh, don't do it ever, but just not right now because you need a little bit more training. You need a little bit more understanding in the, in the gospel. And you didn't really read your Bible that much this week. It's the voice of the enemy inside your head holding you back. We are to, to share our lives 
with others so that they can come and experience what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And here's the beauty of it. You just tell them your story. I don't have the first five books of the Old Testament memorized. I know you guys do because it got very quiet. <laughs> um, but I can tell you what Jesus did in my life. I can tell you the story of how he transformed and changed me. You see, God is making his appeal to others through you. He is working through us to bring people back in right relationship and right living with him. Just tell them your story, how you surrendered your life to Christ, how you did something as foolish as being dunked in a hot tub or now a horse watering trough in front of a group of people with music playing in the background and then everybody closed their eyes, reached out their hand and prayed for you. That sounds foolish and it does to those who are perishing. Ooh, that sounded harsh, but it's true, isn't it? It's foolishness. The Bible says it's foolishness to those who are perishing. So are we willing to be ashamed for Jesus? Are we willing to be ashamed for Jesus? Because if we aren't, then he said he'll be ashamed of us. And not in a way that our human thinking or brain initially reacts to, that he's going to be ashamed of us. But we're saying, God, I reject you. I don't want that in my life. I don't want to be discipled. And in the same way, he, he, he can't force himself upon us. What is it we desire? There's a great uh, story in, in John chapter 9, and I, I don't have time to read the whole scripture, but there is a, a blind man that Jesus healed on, uh, on the Sabbath. Uh, which was the day of rest, and it was it was against against the uh, the, the rules, and uh, this blind man was healed, and he went to the to the Pharisees, to the religious uh, folks of the day, and they uh, constantly asked him, "How is it that you can see?" You see, he was blind from birth, and now his eyes are opened; he can see. They thought he was a sinner. They thought this Jesus was a sinner because he healed on the Sabbath, which was against the rules and regulations. And this man standing there in front of the Pharisees with, with, with this, a group of people trying to understand how it is that you can see. He had an encounter with Jesus and he simply told them, I don't know if he's a sinner or not, but all I can tell you is I was blind and now I can see. As for if he's a sinner or not, I, I, I don't know, but this is what's happened in my life. But what did he do? How did he do it? How did your life become transformed? How were you changed from the inside out? How did you allow Jesus to heal you and change you? Look, the man said, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? He says, do you want to be his disciples too? This is what Jesus will do in your life if you let him. How do you, how do you share your faith? How do you get into a, 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 a process of being discipled and discipling others? It's by simply sharing for what Jesus has done in your life. 
that he transformed me. He changed me. Chains of addiction are broken off. An old way of thinking, a complete renewal of the mind. I no longer live for myself. I turned from my selfish ways. I picked up my cross and said, Lord, I'm willing to die if it means spending an eternity with you. And I'm walking with you. I'm following you. It's the same plea that Jesus makes for us today, the same appeal to come back to God. Now, if you're here today and you don't have a story about how Jesus has transformed your life, stay tuned. If you haven't experienced what it means to have freedom in your life and peace with God, right living and a trust and security that when you die, you will be with him forever. And keep showing up. Keep showing up, being a part of the church community. Find someone to help you, to, to disciple you, to be a part of a group and fellowship because God will radically transform your life. And that is a promise. He will not leave you the way that he found you. And it's not just a, a religion. God wants to completely transform and change your life. Only if you let him, only if you surrender yourself to him. Why don't we stand today? The, uh, the cost is great. We have to uh, uh, lose everything in our lives to follow Jesus. But he promises us eternity. It's the best possible life that you could ever live by being a disciple of Jesus Christ. That is the truth. So why don't we with it, just close your eyes and I just want to ask if there's anyone here, first and foremost, if you haven't given your life to Christ, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, that even right now, you're hearing the call of Jesus to be a disciple, knowing that the cost is great, that you have to give up everything, but you realize I'm tired of my old way of living. What I've done in the past, it hasn't worked. Jesus, I no longer want to be master and commander. I want you to take the reins. If that's you today, with every head bowed, I just want you to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for today. Say, Jesus, I want to give you my life today. He is making an appeal to you today. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, he says, do you want to follow me? And in your head, you're thinking, yes, I will. I will. Uh, but first, but first, I just got to clean this thing up. Uh, but first, I, I just got to, you know, talk it over. I got to think about it a little bit. The disciples were fishing. Jesus came up and said, come follow me. And they left everything behind. That's the choice we got to make today. So if there's anyone in the room, you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, just raise your hands so we know what I'm praying for today. Amen. Amen. Come on. And if you're here today and you recognize, maybe I haven't been discipling someone. Would you make a decision, a commitment to fulfill the call of God on your life? God qualifies 
the called. He does not call the qualified. There's nothing special or extravagant that we need to be before we follow Christ. Find someone to disciple or find someone to be discipled by one-on-one and in our groups and in community here as a church and watch what God will do in your life as you let him and as you surrender everything to being a follower of Jesus Christ. So Father, we just pray right now for for everyone in this room and watching online, God, um, we often forget what it means uh, and the cost, Lord, of following you, Jesus but you remind us today that you wanna walk with us, Lord, through every single challenge in life, God, that we would die to ourselves, Father. We would recognize the great call that you have on our lives, Lord, and we would walk with you together forever in this life and in the next, Father. We just pray that people would take that step today, God, by faith, they would find someone to pour into and to be poured into by. What an honor and a privilege it is to die for you, God, to give up our own way of living and to come to you, Father. Would you help us in this journey, God? Would you continue to fellowship and walk with us and work within us, Lord? In the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray, amen.